Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. I love talking about what we're going to talk about today, determining how much house you can buy. Hopefully getting rid of some myths and giving you a good baseline on how to determine when you're ready to buy a house, how much you can afford. That is today's College Investor Audio Show, and let's get right to it, shall we? So, after graduating from college, you know, getting a job, it's only a matter of time before most people start thinking about home ownership. Now, before you jump into the biggest purchase of your life, it's important to ask, how much house can I really afford? Here are some affordability rules of thumb. When it comes to buying a house, everyone has an opinion <laughs> about what you should pay. Now, these are just three of the most common rules of thumb you'll come across. Each of these rules has its merit, but don't slavishly follow them. You'll want to review your own budget to help you decide how much you can really afford. Three times your annual income. A house should cost no more than three times your annual in annual income. If you earn sixty grand per year, for example, your house should be worth one hundred eighty thousand or less when you buy it. Spend less than twenty eight percent of your income on your mortgage. On average, just twenty eight percent of your income should go towards a mortgage payment. That includes taxes and insurance, by the way. If you earn fifty thousand dollars per year, that means your monthly payment should be eleven hundred sixty seven dollars or less. Always avoid PMI. Private mortgage insurance, or PMI, is the money you pay if you put down less than 20% on, on a conventional home loan. This fee protects banks. It does not protect you at all. Many people avoid buying unless you can put down the full 20%. So what number matters? Or I should say what numbers matter when you're buying a house. So when you're buying a house, the bank cares about three important numbers. Debt to income ratio is one of them. So your debt to income or DTI ratio is the ratio between your monthly debt payments and your income. Your total DTI needs to be below 43% to qualify for a mortgage. Uh, in general, a DTI below 36% is considered ideal. So for a person earning $5,000 a month, an ideal DTI would mean total debt payments, including the mortgage, is $1,800 or less. If you have a student loan payment of $600 a month, for example, that means the mortgage needs to be $1,200 or less. Your credit score. A higher score means a lower interest rate. A lower interest rate will translate to lower monthly payments. Loan to value. So the LTV, or loan to value, is the ratio of the amount you owe compared to the value of the house. An 80% LTV means you put down 20% when you bought the house. Over time, your LTV will fall as you pay off your loan. And the home value increases. So as a home buyer, not a lender, <laughs> those numbers don't matter so much. Instead, you should focus on these three numbers. The down payment you can afford. The amount you put down on a house influences the fees you pay, your interest rate, and your monthly payment. In general, the bigger down payments means lower fees and lower interest rates. If you can save 20% down before buying, that's awesome. If you can't, 
A down payment ranging from 3 to 5% can get you into a house. Your monthly payment. So a monthly mortgage payment will include the loan cost, taxes, and insurance. Now this is the key number to understanding a home's affordability for you. In general, you'll want to keep your mortgage payment in line with your rent payment. Of course, some people live with parents or friends <laughs> to keep rent low. So they can save, invest, and pay off debt. If that's you, just consider how much you think you can afford month to month before blindly accepting what a lender suggests you can afford. Don't listen to what they suggest. Your monthly take-home pay. The bank cares about your gross income. But you're going to be paying your mortgage with the money you actually take home. Your lender may think you can easily handle a $1,200 mortgage payment with your $48,000 annual salary. But if you usually take home just $2,300 per month after taxes, health insurance, and a 401k contribution, you're going to struggle to make that payment. I can't afford a 20% down payment. What should I do? That is a fantastic question that we get all the time. So one of the most common myths about home ownership is that you need a 20% down payment. Most people don't put 20% down. The most common down payment among first-time home buyers is 5%. This is the minimum payment required for a conventional mortgage in most cases. However, plenty of people put down 0% or 3.5%. If you can afford the monthly payments on a house and you intend to stay in an area for at least five or more years, consider buying a house with a smaller down payment. What is the most affordable mortgage? Finding the right one for your house can be extremely confusing. These are a few of the major mortgages to consider when you're shopping for a house. A conventional mortgage. That's a mortgage that is guaranteed by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. These companies don't issue loans, but they do buy mortgages from banks. You generally need a 5% down payment and a 620 credit score to take out a conventional mortgage. That said, First-time homebuyers may qualify for a 3% down payment if they meet income requirements. If you put down less than 20%, you'll have to pay that private mortgage insurance, which protects lenders, not you. FHA mortgage. An FHA is guaranteed by the Federal Housing Administration. This loan requires a 3.5% down payment. And if it is available for borrowers with credit scores as low as 580, or a 500 credit score for borrowers who can't put 10% down. The FHA loan sometimes has a bad rep because buyers have to pay an upfront funding fee and ongoing mortgage insurance premiums, MIP. However, the interest rate on FHA loans is subsidized, so the overall cost tends to be on par with the rates from conventional loans. So VA home loans is another one. VA mortgages are a mortgage benefit for military service members. The loan allows a 0% down payment and has no ongoing insurance fees. Borrowers will need an upfront funding fee, but that fee can be financed. So this is a truly $0 out-of-pocket loan. Jumbo mortgage. People buying in expensive areas may not qualify for typical mortgages like those we just listed. In that case, jumbo mortgages might make sense. These loans are from properties ranging from $800,000 to $5 million. They usually require great credit scores, like in the high 700s, a large down payment, and a good, strong income. So here are some reasons not to buy a house at the top end of your budget. Many aspiring homeowners are advised to buy a house at the top end of their budget. 
but buying as much house as you can afford is not always the best financial move. I would even say rarely. Here are several reasons to buy a less expensive house. Owning a house is really, really expensive in and of itself. Home ownership is a more than mortgage insurance and property tax. You'll also pay for ongoing maintenance and possibly big repairs. Hello, HVAC system. These are costs renters don't often consider. With these new costs, you might want to be conservative when buying a house. Leave some extra room in, their, in your monthly budget. Smaller monthly payments. A less expensive house means smaller monthly payments. That leaves some extra room for saving and investing. And uh, emergency fund for those repairs. Easier to afford on a single income. Uh, many people look to buy a house before a new baby arrives. Even if both partners plan to go back to work, life changes. <laughs> if you're part of a couple, you might want to buy a place that you could afford on a single income. Also, less pressure to keep up with the Joneses. More expensive houses come in more expensive neighborhoods. That means you'll associate with people earning a higher income, which can be great for networking. But you also will face a little bit of pressure to spend outside of your means. Less expensive houses tend to yield neighbors with more modest budgets. The bank's budget isn't your personal budget. The bank doesn't consider things like taxes, daycare bills, or other monthly expenses when it calculates the amount of house you can afford. Your monthly mortgage payment needs to fit comfortably within your budget for the new house to work. So here are some reasons to buy a house at the top end of your budget. We did the not, so here's some reasons too. Although it's prudent to buy an inexpensive house, buying a more expensive house can actually pay off. These are a few of the financial reasons you might want to buy at the top end of your budget. They're going to rent out rooms. A person earning $40,000 a year can barely afford a $1,200 a month mortgage. But if you rent out two rooms for $500 each, you're left with $200 to pay on your own. As long as you follow through on renting out the rooms, it can make a lot of sense. You're buying with a single income. If you're part of a couple, but only one person is working, it might make sense to buy at the top end. When the other person begins earning, the mortgage payment will be easier to handle. You reasonably expect to earn more soon. Career and income growth can be difficult to predict. Uh, to say the least. However, people working in certain sectors may be able to reasonably predict big earning increases over the next few years. If you think big raises are coming your way, it might make sense to buy towards the top end of your budget. But just be careful not to take on additional expenses as your income grows. So I hope that was just give you some ideas, some things to chew on as you're thinking about maybe buying a house in the future. Hey, keep this around. Keep this podcast handy just in case you're kind of putting that on hold and you can revisit it. Come back to it and listen to it again just to see, oh, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that now. Anyway, share this with your friends. It can help them out too. Thanks for stopping by today to the College Investor Audio Show. And you can always find reviews, you can find more tips, you can find ideas on how to increase your income with some side gigs, all of that stuff, all at thecollegeinvestor.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we'll talk to you again soon.